You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello and welcome to episode number five of the Life After Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. My name is Brad Lieb. I am a former professional hockey player interviewing fellow players about their life after hockey journeys. And this podcast would not be possible without the help and support of the Hockey Podcast Network a network of individual podcasts that cover every single NHL market. Find them online at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com and follow them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. And before we get to this week's interview, I want to take a moment and thank last week's guest, Mr. Ted Nolan, former NHL player, former NHL coach of the year, and In his life after hockey, he has co-founded the Three Nolans program with his sons, Brandon and Jordan, as a way to offer hockey skill development for First Nation youth in First Nation communities across Canada, as well as teach the importance of living healthy, active lifestyles, how to be positive role models, and how to become future leaders in their communities. For more information, visit threenolans.com the number three, nolans.com, and check out some of their cool swag too. And that brings us to this week's guest, a draft pick of the Vancouver Canucks turned country music singing star. This conversation covers everything from his experience with the NHL draft, his professional hockey journey, and his transition into the music industry as well We discuss the power of music and how music really is medicinal. So without further ado, here is my interview with Chad Brownlee. Enjoy. All right, here we go. My guest today was born in Kelowna, BC drafted by the Vancouver Canucks, 190th overall in the 2003 NHL entry draft. He played his junior hockey with the Vernon Vipers, the BCHL. He went on to play four years with the NCAA Minnesota State Mavericks. He then played one season with the Idaho Steelheads of the ECHL before hanging the skates up to pursue his music career. In 2010, he released his self-titled debut album, And in 2011, he won the Canadian Country Music Association Rising Star Award. Since retiring from hockey, he has released four albums, had a Juno nomination for Country Album of the Year and numerous CCMA Award nominations. And this past summer, Nielsen Music Study found him to be the eighth highest played Canadian artist on domestic radio for the first half of 2020. Pretty impressive in the mix with the likes of Drake and Bieber. Once a Vancouver Canucks draft pick, now a critically acclaimed country music singing star. Thanks for doing this, 
Mr. Chad Brownlee. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate you having me on, man. Thanks for being here. This is this is this is fun, and and especially for me, uh, I've been following your music for a little while, and 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 watching your your career, and and I love uh, I love the tunes. I love watching you perform. Um, and and just to reiterate what the podcast is about, this is just exploring the the life after hockey journeys, and and exploring some of the cool, unique things that some some former players are involved in. You definitely have a cool, unique story. And we're also in a very unique time, especially as an artist. I've seen you do some Instagram live shows. Uh, how are you spending your time these days as, as an artist in, in these interesting times? Yeah, we've all had to adapt, that's for sure. And, and the entertainment industry has been affected, like a lot of different industries. But for us, you know, we rely on people gathering together and standing shoulder to shoulder and and you know we obviously can't do that right now so we have to find these other mediums and avenues to connect with our fans so you know fortunately it is a double-edged sword you know the technology and the social media but um you know in times like this as an artist and as a musician it's it's a great channel to still be able to connect with your audience so i've been doing those instagram lives about every week every thursday night at uh, at six o'clock pacific so it's just, it feels good to me to, even though I see, you know, little emojis or people just writing their comments on the bottom, you can still feel a little bit of a connection as much as it's far from the connection you get, you know, from a live show, at least it's something. So appreciative definitely of that and the era that we live in, um, that we can still do what, uh, do what we want to do. And that is bring music and, and feel good vibes to our fans. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've enjoyed even just the atmosphere that you, that you create during those, during those sessions, little uh, little fire going on in the background, and and kind of feels like we're all sitting around the fire with you. Yeah, yeah, that's it's pretty authentic. I mean, that's how I spend a lot of my days too. Uh, I got a fireplace in the house here too, so um, I like to keep things simple. And um, and 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 I think just the vibe in, in that room um, definitely exudes that. And um, it's it's been a lot of fun. So there'll be definitely a few more to come. Looking forward to that. Um, I recently saw you in concert. You, you came over to the to Vancouver Island and, and performed at the Mary Winspear Center in Sydney, BC. Um, and 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 I do want to first of all even give a shout out to uh, Ryan McMahon who opened for you um, at, at the concert. Ryan's actually from Ladysmith and the Hockey Podcast Network headquarters that this is all created on is also in Ladysmith. So there's a there's a good vibe going on in Lady Smith, and yeah. and um, yeah, it was a great show. You you blew me away right off the right off the hop with uh, "Love Me or Leave Me" right off the right off the start. Um, but that wasn't actually the first time that I've kind of crossed paths with you. Uh, the first time was actually at a Canucks charity uh, game back in I think 2014 on on the island and. Uh, with the firefighters, I believe, and and we actually played on the same line, and I have a picture to prove it. Uh, but just curious, you you are a Vancouver Canucks alumni member, and how much are you involved with, with them, and 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 how many events do you get to? Yeah, they're an amazing group of guys. Um, you know, we haven't done as much lately just because of the circumstances, but. There was a time there where I was skating every week with them. They would do a Wednesday night skate with everybody, and. And that's where I really built the friendships. And and every year they do, 
you know, like you were mentioning that, that event on the island there, uh, just in different communities and raise, raise funds for the minor hockey programs there or different charitable events. So it's a really great cause. Uh, at the same time, it's a good excuse to get together with your buddies and play some hockey. So, um, and I used to live in Langley, uh, which was a lot closer to some of the local events. But now that I live a little bit of ways, um, I don't get as many as I'd like to. But um, it's something that I'll continue to support because, um, again, they, they do some fantastic things in the community and the province. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're part of the Canucks alumni because you're Vancouver Canucks draft pick and uh, BC-born guy. Take us back to the NHL entry draft and, and how that all went down for you and, and your, your, your thoughts and, uh, you know, even how you found out you were drafted. Yeah, that was a pretty special day, one that I'll never forget. It's just etched into my mind because, as you know, probably since you were five, you're five or six years old, you probably wanted to play in the NHL and and always envisioned what that day would be like when your name was called. Um, so it wasn't actually until the day after I was projected to go in the fourth round by Central Scouting, but I knew that it would be later than that once they brought in um, some of the international players. So I ended up going in the sixth round, and I didn't find out until the day after. Uh, the initial draft, and uh, it was actually Brian Burke that had called the house, but I was away. I was at the gym, and mm. my folks weren't around either, but he left this really lengthy uh, message on the answering machine. Uh, yes, back then, it was an actual answering machine, not a voicemail on a cell phone, um, and uh, yeah, I, I probably listened to that message a hundred times because it just seems so surreal that uh, a GM from an NHL team just congratulated me on uh, on making their team, so that was a pretty special day, and that was before uh, heading off to, to university to Minnesota State. So at the time, I felt like I was on top of the world, you know, 17, 18 years old uh, with this uh, exciting uh, hockey career in front of me. Um, definitely, definitely a special day. I'll remember it till the day I die. For sure. And uh, props to you for being at the gym when you're, when you're yeah. getting called or you're drafted. I was working, man. I was working. Yeah. <laughs> leave, leave that on the message. I'm at the gym. Yeah. <laughs> doing my, doing my workout. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, you, you went to university and, and, and after university you went and played one season with, with Idaho. Um, and it was only one season. It was 35 games. Tell us about that season and, you know, maybe the process about choosing, choosing to hang them up or, or, or how that came about for you. Yeah, that was definitely the beginning of a season of change for me. Um, you know, the I started off at the Canucks camp. Um, I guess it would have been that previous September. Ended up going to Elmira, or sorry, Binghamton first to the Ottawa Senators uh, farm team, and then to Elmira for a month. And then they had a bunch of shifts where they changed the AHL teams that were uh, that were feeding the ECHL teams. So there was a ton of defensemen that came down. And then I ended up over in Idaho. So I was I was a bit of a suitcase, as they say, in that first kind of two months of the season. Uh, I believe that would have been 07, 08. Um, and then ended up in Idaho, in Boise, which was a fantastic city, a really, really great place to play. Um, so I was really happy to, uh, to find a home there and um, great rink, great facilities. Uh, we ended up coming up to Victoria to play. We'd go up to Alaska. So it was, it was a great place in the ECHL to play. It was halfway through that season that I injured my shoulder again and, and, you know, backing up to even when I was in uh, midget and, and junior and university, I had popped my shoulder out several times. 
both shoulders. And it just, it came to a head in the middle of university. So I had surgery on both my shoulders. I came back and, and felt like I was still a really strong player. Um, but it wasn't until halfway through that year in, in Boise that I injured it again. And when I came back, it was like something had really shifted in me. Um, I couldn't play the game the same. You know, having gone through not just physically but mentally that many injuries and, and the surgeries, and, and I'm sure I speak for a lot of athletes, not just in hockey, but when you go through multiple injuries, it's, it's very, very debilitating, and you just don't feel like you're the same player when you came back, and that's what happened to me. Um, so when I, when I came back, I, was, I wasn't getting a regular shift like I used to, so uh, my morale was really low. I didn't have the strength I used to have. I wasn't a finesse guy. I wasn't you know, scoring fancy goals. I was a penalty kill, stay at home defenseman who could skate really fast and hit hard. Um, but when I lost that strength in my arm, my control arm, um, it really changed the way I played. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there was, there was a literally a moment on the bench when I was sitting there looking up at the clock, hoping that the time would tick down, you know, games never felt so long as they did after I came back from that injury. And that was a huge realization for me. Um, I, I guess I was, you know, somewhat wise enough at a young age to realize I didn't want to waste any more time doing something that I didn't enjoy doing. So I let that season run out and um, basically said I wasn't coming back. Um, you know, I, I had my degree and there was a part of me that maybe thought going back my PhD, but I knew deep down that I wanted to pursue music. And, um, you know, at 23, I felt I was young enough to make that transition into a new career. And um, I remember that feeling leaving the rink. I, I should have felt demoralized. And I think there was a sense of that. But the day that I left that rink, knowing that I never was going to come back, I felt like I was walking about a foot off the ground mm. because there was so much stress and anxiety in going to the rink that the realization that I didn't have to go through that again, just it lifted this massive emotional and mental weight off of me. So I think in that moment, I knew that I had made the right decision. And every day I just pieced together um, what is now um, a music career, which I'm very, very fortunate of. So that's kind of the, the short story of it all, but it really was just a loss of a passion for one thing and the realization of what else I was passionate about. It was literally a void was created and I filled that void with music um, because for a year after, I'm sure I speak for a lot of hockey players that, you know, we're transitioning from the game. It's your identity. It's who you are. And when you, when you stop doing something that you've basically been doing since you were a kid, six, sometimes seven days a week, it takes a real, it's, it, it takes a long time for you to kind of shift into this new skin um, and who you are and, and not identify as an athlete. So I, I didn't watch the game. I didn't play the game. I didn't want to think about the game for an entire year after I quit. And, and I think that allowed me to really focus on my music and, and, um, and dive headfirst with confidence in that. I, I definitely resonate with with that uh, part of. Sorry, I'm just getting an echo here. the The part you're talking about um, the identity and just identifying as a hockey player, and and then after not playing, your your identity kind of kind of shifts. And I've kind of navigated through that myself. It's been kind of a common theme talk, talking with different guys. And there was there was one thing you talked about even at the concert in between. Uh, in, in between songs, you were talking about your passion for hockey, but you also mentioned your passion for music. And and I've mentioned before on, on this podcast, I have a 17-year-old son, and 
you know, he's very much into hockey. He's at a hockey academy. And, and as a dad, I want him to explore other things, you know, because hockey will end regardless if it's, you know, one year or 10 year career, you're going to naturally move on to something else. So doing music alongside with hockey, you just mentioned having two passions. Um, Tell us about how that music passion started for you and, and when you started playing and, and, and how you, how that grew and, and that you knew that that was the thing you wanted to do. Yeah, I started at a young age. I was eight years old when I went to piano lessons. I did that for four years till I was about 12. And then after that, I picked up the tenor saxophone in middle school in the first part of high school. And I was in a jazz band. And, and then uh, when I was 17 and, playing junior hockey in, in Vernon, um, I got a, a guitar for Christmas. So I self-taught myself just through tabs. And, um, you know, you learn basically three chords and you know about a thousand songs. So it was more of just something fun to do. I wanted to learn the guitar to play it at parties after. You know, mm-hmm. I, I never at any point when I was playing hockey in junior or, or in college, at, at any point did I think that I was going to pursue it as a career. It was literally just a hobby, something to take my mind away from hockey. But I think that's what grew the love for it is that there was no pressure on it. I just I did it as as a poet, as a songwriter. I like to kind of have this musical journal of people in my life. And that's how I got into songwriting. Um, But even at a young age, when I when I took those piano lessons, I think it was around 10 or 11 and I was playing a song and I felt the emotion of it and I started to cry. And that was the first time that I had felt something like that um, coming from music. So, and I'll never forget the day that that happened because that was the day where my curiosity towards music just went through the roof. I was like, there's something powerful about this and I want to know more about it. So that's why it's always been there in parallel with hockey, just as an interest, just as a hobby. Um, But it just grew. It slowly grew and grew and grew as I was playing hockey. And by the time I decided to hang up the skates, I was at a point where I was comfortable performing. I was writing more songs. Um, and I decided to just kind of kick that into high gear. And uh, that's when I really started to progress. And at what point, was there a point in time that you kind of thought to yourself, yeah, this is it. I'm, I've, I've kind of made it. This is, you know, making that transition. I, I would think that there'd be some sort of, a, um, you know, you're, you're, you're taking not, not a risk, but you're pursuing this passion. Yeah. Was there, was there any moment that, that you knew like, this is this is now my thing. I, this I'm going to be a musician. Yeah, I, I think so because I mean, you never stop hustling in this industry. You know, you never mm-hmm. want to get too complacent and think, okay, now this is it. I've I've made it. I can kind of you know take the foot off the gas. But I think as far as being accepted into the music world, it was it would have been back in in around 2011 when I um, when I got the Rising Star Award at, at the Country Music Awards. Because at that moment, it kind of it felt like okay, my my peers are accepting me. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was part of the culture. I was a character in in the Canadian country music world. But before that, it was just constantly, you know, trying to make a name for yourself and and just trying to get your songs played at radio or just trying to get a gig and and all of those things were super exciting. And and there's something really fun about being the underdog when you have nothing to lose yet everything to gain. It's a very exciting place to be. So. Um, but, but that moment I'd say, yeah, around 2011 at the awards there in Hamilton, that's when I felt like, okay, I'm a part of this community. And that was a really cool feeling. And, uh, just never looked back. Nice. 
there's another um you know just talking about the 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 emotion of of music um during your show you were talking about using music as therapy and there's a song that you sang uh, uh his own terms and you had mentioned uh that it was about your grandpa and you know i i really i really like that that was a moment for me because my 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 dad is passed away and and there's a moment in the song you talk about wildcat and my dad used to drink wildcat and it was, mm. it was just it was just very f- for me it was it was uh uh therapeutic as as the listener so like you know just how what what does music mean to you as far as therapy and like you know i, I the deeper piece of it is like i i'm i'm an advocate for especially for men to kind of process through whatever stuff they're going through. We all go through stuff. So finding, having an outlet to be able to process whatever you're going through. So, you know, just, can you talk about what kind of music means to you and, 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 you know, in those moments that you want to, you know, move something through or even, even how that, that song came about, um, you know, music, using music as therapy. Yeah. Music is definitely medicinal. It's a vibration and we're essentially a vibration. True. So it, um, it really, really resonates with us to our core. And um, I, I read a book a few years ago called This Is Your Brain on Music. It's more of kind of a psychological approach to music. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it was there that I learned that music is the only thing that encompasses your entire brain. And that really fascinated me. It's just it really is a part of us. So and that's what got me into music in the first place. Not not simply the fact that I enjoy it because I do enjoy it. I love playing, but the effects that it has on people is tough to ignore. Um, and I think as as artists, we have a responsibility to make sure that our we'll call it a musical medicine is done in a positive way um, that really can help people. Whether it be a fun, you know, surface song that just takes you away for three and a half minutes about drinking beer and, you know, going to the lake or whatever, or something that dives a little bit deeper into maybe um, some of our mental health issues or whatever it is. I think music is a very, very powerful medium. And I'm very fortunate that I'm immersed in this world and am able to make songs that has affected people. It's my favorite part of what I do is, is hearing the testimonies of people um, after they've they've heard my song or they say it's got me through a tough time nothing trumps that man like hmm. it's it's such an incredible feeling knowing that something that you've created or something that you've done has made a positive impact on people and that's my mo from the beginning and it always will be absolutely i i I, I really did obviously enjoy the show. I, I, I have all these kind of, you know, memories of, of, of you just sharing. It, it was a great show because it was just, it was intimate and it was an acoustic thing. It was, um, you know, it's nice to go to a big concert, but that, that show, you, everything was done really well. So just to hats off to, to that whole production and um, you're just engaging with, a, with, the, with the audience and telling stories and to what you just said, the 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 music and how much it has an effect um i believe you saved the couple's marriage through your music uh do you want you want to share that story yeah absolutely i I love sharing that story because the timing of it was so incredible and it was uh a song of mine called listen it was off my second record um which would have been around 2012 and a few years after that i was in winnipeg at a show and and 
and afterwards, uh, I was doing an autograph line and, and a gal came up and she looked me in the eye and she said, you know, you saved my marriage. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, how the heck did I do that? And so she went on to tell the story about her and her husband were sitting at the, the dinner table with their divorce papers right in front of them, both of them, pens in hand. They were ready to make that final signature. And they just happened to have the, the country music station playing in the background and my song Listen came on. And they paid attention to the lyrics. Mm. They stopped for a moment and they paused and they listened to the, to the song. And they looked at each other and they said, what are we doing? Mm. You know, what, what are we doing here? And they didn't sign those papers and are still married. So that's one of my absolute favorite stories um, about music really changing um, somebody's story, essentially their personal story in a really positive way. Now, I haven't, I haven't talked to them in a few years, but I still hope their, their marriage is going strong and there's a lot of love between them. Well, I hope they're still listening to that song. It, it is a beautiful story. And, and again, you know, shows how, how powerful music can be. Um, you know, you, you've, you've, you've had a lot of uh, success with your, with your awards and nominations and your most recent tour was with Dean Brody and Dallas Smith. Um, just curious about who inspires you in the, in the music world and, and, uh, and who's helped you out the most. Man, you know, the, the list is pretty long. Um, you just mentioned two guys there that I have a lot of respect for both Dallas and Dean. Um, not only incredible artists, but incredible human beings. Mm. Um, so to be on a tour with them, uh, means a lot, um, to see their success they've put in so much work, um, it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was humbling being a part of that. But, you know, guys, I toured with Dirks Bentley, who is, who I see as a, a big role model. Um, just the way that, again, how he composed himself uh, outside of, uh, of the, the stage. Um, he was just a regular guy, super humble, uh, worked really hard, loved his hockey too. So we, we really connected on that level. Um, so I, you know, I, I kind of, I've always looked up to the humble the humble superstars, the modest super, the Steve Eisenmans, the Joe Sackicks, the Trevor Lindens, you know, those were, mm. were guys that I really tried to kind of model myself after as a hockey player and as a leader on my teams. And and now I kind of have that that same attraction to, to people in the music industry, you know, those that, uh, you know, live live an honest life and just love what they do and, and are good people um, outside of their profession. So... Um, you know, Dean, Dallas, Dirks, um, you know, they all kind of uh, fit that mold and, and many others too. You know, I've been fortunate enough to share the stage with a lot of experienced artists. Um, so I, I try to take little bits and pieces of whoever it is that's either performing or, or doing an interview. Um, everyone's got something to teach you, you know, and, and you them. Um, that's, that's a beautiful thing is that we need to be open to, to learning from other people, whether they're more experienced than us or not. So I'm, I'm always just kind of aware of that and just picking little pieces out that, that people could share with me. Agreed. And yeah, very uh, humble and hardworking yourself. I, 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 I feel that I've been, I've been exploring kind of a, the question, a question around success recently. And my thought is, the people that are that find success in one thing usually find success in, in, in other things. They, they take those same characteristics and values with them. Um, you've, you've had success with hockey. Uh, you've had success with with uh, with music and and just, you know, th and also the idea of 
in, in my opinion, success, the definition of success is, is kind of personal. It's, it's your own personal happiness, your own personal fulfillment and, 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 and whatever is, is meaningful to you, not necessarily what society thinks or, you know, the bling bling, um, unless that really absolutely brings you, uh, value. I'm just curious, um, what, from the idea of success, what, what is success to you in, in your life now, um, in, in music and in life, but moving forward for, for Chad Brownlee, what, what is success to you? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think you nailed it on the head as far as success is kind of a relative thing to each person and what they define as success. But for me, it's, it's really doing what you love to do. Um, we have a finite time on this planet and our time is a very valuable currency. And if we're doing something we don't enjoy for a majority of that time, then, then I don't see that as, as very successful. And obviously, you know, we have to do things in, in order to survive. Um, we all have different situations. But the difficult path sometimes can be doing something that we love and taking that chance and, and following what, what it is that's just been nagging us in the back of our minds. And, and I figure, like I said earlier, when I was 23, I felt I was young and stupid enough to, to pursue a, an unstable career in the music industry. But, you know, I, I felt that um, doing anything else was, was just not fair to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it really comes down to enjoying what you do, treating those around you with, with love and respect, even the ones that disagree with you. Um, you know, I think that's, that's a formula for a health, healthy life. Well said. Uh, the, the last question that I have for you, um, just talking about uh, maybe influences, can you tell me uh, what kind of influence Chaz Brownstone has had on you? <laughs> Chaz Brownstone, you know what, I've never met the guy. We've, <laughs> we've never actually crossed paths. <laughs> He's probably sleeping on a couch stone somewhere. So, <laughs> uh, and and for those that, for those that are aren't familiar with Chaz Brownstone, I, I I recommend you go check out the way you roll video on YouTube. And uh, I think Chaz makes an appearance at the end of that video. Man, we we had so much fun making that video. We shot it down in Jekyll Island, Georgia, and uh, the producer Ben Nectel and I we have we share a similar affinity to Jim Carrey movies. Hmm. So the whole time we're just spitting back and forth, you know, old Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura lines. So it kind of, <laughs> it got me in the mood of this character, this Chaz Brownstone character uh, that was actually really, really fun to uh, to be a part of. Um, and man, did we ever laugh. You know, it was, you don't want to take yourself too seriously sometimes. And I think that video allowed me to not take myself seriously and, and just do some fun acting and, and have some laughs. Yeah, it was definitely fun to watch, and I, I hope he makes an appearance uh, somewhere down the road. You never know. He's a pretty unpredictable guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I thank you again for doing this. Um, you know, really appreciate your time and, and just sharing your story and your thoughts. And, and uh, for those to that, the, for those that want to uh, follow you and, and keep tabs with you, what's the best place and place we can direct them? Yeah, you can just on the typical social media platforms, just at Chad Brownlee on Instagram, uh, as well as Twitter, uh, Facebook's uh, Chad Brownlee Music. My website's chadbrownlee.com. And if you want to listen to the music, it's all over your digital streaming services of the Spotify's and the iTunes and all that good stuff. So yeah, check it all out. 
Yes, please go check it out. Um, yeah, thanks, Chad. I, I really appreciate appreciate your time, and uh, hopefully, I'll cross paths with you again at another uh, Canucks alumni event soon. Absolutely, that'd be great. And thanks for having me on, Brad. Love the podcast. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Thanks a lot. Take care, All right, pal. You too. Does it surprise you that he looks up to humble superstars? In the hockey world, he mentioned Steve Eiserman, Joe Sackick, and Trevor Linden. And in the music world, Dirk Bentley, Dean Brody, and Dallas Smith. And I believe humble superstars look up to other humble superstars. Chad is definitely a superstar in the making. Definitely a rising star in the country music industry, and he has the award to prove it. And I want to go back and also just mention some of his nominations because I believe they deserve to be mentioned. He's released four albums, and two have been nominated for Juno Country Album of the Year awards. And he's also had numerous CCMA award nominations in the Male Artist of the Year category, Fans' Choice category, and Album of the Year category. First of all, whoever gave him that guitar for Christmas when he was 17 years old playing junior hockey for the Vernon Vipers, as a country music fan and perhaps for all of Chad's fans, I want to thank you. And I also want to highlight the part of the interview that he was talking about following his passion. Because I feel as we all go through life, our passions change and evolve. And as his passion for hockey faded, he discovered his passion for creating music. And it wasn't from a place of wanting to become a country music star. It was from a place of following your heart and doing what you love to do. So it's a beautiful reminder for us all to just give ourselves permission to follow our passions. And please go check out the way you roll video and watch until the end to see the cameo by his alter ego, Chaz Brownstone. I think he pulls it off really well. It's a great video. And don't forget about his Instagram live shows that he's doing on Thursday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific. He has a great atmosphere. He's sitting in front of the fire and he sings some of his tunes and he does some cover songs. Tune in. It's a good listen. I want to thank today's guest, Chad Brownlee. And I also want to thank you, the listener. I appreciate you tuning in. And if you have enjoyed this podcast or have received any value, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening as it helps others to find this podcast. And if you have any thoughts, feedback, or requests, you can find me and connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Brad M. Lieb. And until next week, thank you again. Keep going and enjoy your life. See you next time. I think that went very well.